What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. This is a special Father's Day episode, and uh, I'm excited to bring it to you. If you haven't yet, and you listen to this show often, or maybe you're just tuning in for the first time, go and subscribe to the podcast. I don't know where you're listening, if you're an Apple or a Spotify person, or I think we're on Stitcher and Pandora and Amazon, Google, I don't know. But wherever you're listening, click that subscribe button. And if you can leave a review or a comment, do that. Let me know what you think, who your favorite guests are, who else I should have in the future. It helps a lot. If you want to support the show, it's the best way to do it. My guest today is my dad. And it only made sense to do this. I've wanted to have him on this podcast. If you listen, I've talked about some of the stories from his life. There's some of the funniest things that I've ever heard. And, you know, it's not pretty all the time either. He had a, a crazy life, uh, crazy upbringing. And I'm really grateful that he has approached all of it with a smile and he's willing to come on here and you know, share it with all of you who are listening. I think you'll get a sense of my personality and where it comes from. But uh, yeah, you know, we talked about a lot of his stories from his childhood and even some of the things that he's doing now. Uh, it was awesome to have him on this show and it almost didn't happen. We had some technical difficulties. So, uh, you know, the internet connection where he was at wasn't so great and there was a storm coming through. So we ended up doing it without video, which it's fine because you're just cruising down the road listening to this or maybe you're painting or I don't know what else you do when you listen to podcasts. I mow the grass, but whatever. Um, yeah, we, we made it work. And so I think this is, uh, this is why I did the podcast to have conversations like this. And this one just happens to be with my dad. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Happy Father's Day. Give it up for my dad, Dave Jones. But before we enjoy this episode, go to drinkaction.com. That's action with a K. It's Dave Jones's favorite coffee company. Of course it is. And make sure you grab, whether it's your favorite ambitious or black and bold, maybe you drink rumble time or you like a light roast, gold. We've got it covered. Action is the best tasting specialty roast coffee that you can find and also has performance supplements, natural performance supplements. Things like turmeric and hemp, which is great for anti-inflammation. I'm using it right now for a knee injury. Um, and there's all kinds of great testimonials. If you go to the website and you can check that out. Fuel, which is an MCT bomb. It's great for a quick boost of energy. It's keto friendly. And a bunch of other great apparel and new products coming soon. Go to drinkaction.com. It's action with a K. Use code word curious or... If you want to sign up for a subscription and make sure that your coffee and supplements are delivered on a regular basis, whether it's every 30 days or every two weeks, we'll do that for you. And we'll save you 20% in the process. Go to drinkaction.com, use code word curious and enjoy this episode. I don't know. That's be everything in this fucking house is fake. Even the goddamn internet, obviously. It's working wow. now. I don't know Irritating. why. Irritating. It's, it's working now. Was this a common theme as a kid? Did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> nothing ever worked. 
nothing. So wait, so you moved to Virginia, you said in 74? Yeah, 72. Yeah, about, about that. Yeah. Stepdad was in the Navy. Then he decided to go AWOL from the Navy and join the freaking army. I mean, figure that one out. Why? There, you got one branch of the fucking service looking for you to arrest you, and you're in another one. You change your name, change your social security number, and your stepkids got to watch the FBI come to the front and back doors on a rainy day and drag your ass out of bed to the fucking brig in like Rhode Island. And then your mom leaves Virginia to go up there and visit him. So, What's up with that? So was he, was he from like Pennsylvania? Is it cause you guys. Moved, so, okay. So he was like a local guy that yeah. grandma started dating after your dad left and. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She knew him like from, from, you know, from town, but. So, oh yeah. I mean, me and uncle Steve as little kids, we saw right through him. I mean, if you can't tell a guy who stands in front of the mirror and like dances and looks at himself, like <laughs> out of it, back then in the seventies, it was like the silk flower shirts and he was into the music and Oh my God, he got a job at Seal Test Ice Cream and he used to stand in front of the freaking mirror with his hard hat on and look and try to look, see how good he looked. And we would just look at each other and like, is this guy a freaking tool or what? God. So was it like talked about in the family that he had gone AWOL and that you guys needed to be careful or was it not? Oh yeah, no, that's why, I mean, it wasn't no secret. Even as kids, we knew it. We'd all jump in the car when it, they felt like things were getting close and we'd like drive. We might drive like from Virginia to Erie, PA. Who wants to live here? Everybody raised their hand. No, I don't want to live here. So we end up driving all the way back down to Florida, Justin. And you've heard this story. We lived in a, a, a little fucking Tropicana motel for like six months. You know, when my birthday come around, we'd walk down to the corner store and get a Pepperidge farm cake, throw some candles in it, you know. So we would we go to school before we get too far into this, because this, the audio is actually so much better. So there's, we won't have, we won't really have video for this episode because of the internet problems, but it's, it sounds good. And, and I want to just make sure before we get too far into this, um, Boy, you hear me. yeah, no, it's great. I, um, I'm having you on and happy father's day, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you coming on here and, uh, and dealing with this. I mean, we've been trying to get this episode to up and go here for like the last hour. And I think we found it. So um, I, every time I talk with people on this podcast, and this is the 61st episode, I've got like 55 people that I've had on prior to you. And uh, right. a lot of them have really interesting stories, but I always come away and I'm like, man, none of them really ever compare to the things that you've told me and the shit that you've been through. It's you could write a television show that would win every award possible. And people say that, but I, I truly honestly believe that if they crafted a character after you and your brothers, you and your, you and your brother, um, that it would, it would win awards. You, it would be something that people would binge watch on Netflix. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we, we talked early, you said that you went to not, was it nine schools growing up? nine schools in 12 grades and it was because of this oh just because of being moved around like constantly and like uh, stepdads and after stepdad after stepdad so you know. 
so you said the tropic i want to get back to where you were at right because you we were going um and i interrupted but the so you guys you're living in a in a motel like how long are you living at the tropicana motel in florida for like six months and it was like back in the late 70s where they still had like the the like you would watch like in Miami Vice where they have like the neon signs motel flashing just a one level like maybe 40 room little motel with palm trees and stuff but as a kid I mean you kind of thought it was neat but now I think how fucking messed up was that we're living in a motel you get up every day and go to school you know and then and then you never knew like okay we're gone we're gone again back to Pennsylvania back to Virginia what were the explanations when that would happen? Oh, they're they're catching up to them. They're catching up to them. Freaking yeah, yeah. They wanted them. And they got them. He went. Yeah, he was in the Navy. Went AWOL from the Navy to join the Army. Changed his name. Got a different Social Security number. And then it was only a matter of time before they caught his ass. And they shipped him to the brig in Rhode Island, all the way from Virginia. So then mom How decides she wants to go up there and visit him. I was probably 15 at that point, you know. Failing school, I didn't, you know, I had no, like, like you said, no supervision, no support, you know, nothing. All I wanted to do was listen to music and smoke weed. That's it. <laughs> Don't we and all? that's where the, that's where it all started. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm like mismashing the the timeline, so I apologize. But I mean, I no, you're you know, good. I, I think about <clears throat> while you were living down in Virginia, just to frame this up for people. I mean, I don't think my grandmother's listening to this. Um, she probably doesn't even know what a podcast is, quite honestly. But if she is, I, I mean, absolutely no disrespect. I think everybody was feeling it in the '60s and '70s, but um you it's the truth you you there's a story that you told me and maybe this is just how we get this thing rolling um about this guy named frank and like where does that fit into this whole scenario of like your life (laughs) oh my god i don't even know where she met this guy but back even back then (laughs) this guy named frank he's a black guy he drove this big, long, green Lincoln Continental had like the spare tire like thing on the back of it. And <laughs> he remind it reminded me of like uh he reminded me of like Link off the mod squad, if anybody like knows who he is. But <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that was like short-lived. And then there then there'd be like somebody else, Jose, who had a, a, a El Camino that he used to race on the drag strip with like. 50s 50s on the back of it okay well he decides he's gonna drive us up to pennsylvania to grandma and grandpa lombardo's house for christmas gonna me and your uncle steve laid behind the seat of an el camino for 500 miles i felt like gumby and then when we get there he can't even make it up the driveway because you're way out (laughs) you're way out like in the middle of nowhere and this guy like spoke broken English, but as a little kid, you got no say in it. I was totally embarrassed, totally embarrassed. But what do you do? And then, you know, grandpa's, he was always the only Italian. What the hell? He'd say, what the hell? 
Jesus Christ almighty Virginia. God damn it all to hell. Yeah, I try to like imagine the little bit that I knew of him, the stories that I hear, I'm like, how is it possible that grandma would be in Virginia and you guys would have the experiences like did did Gramp know and grandma know what was going on, do you think? Um, no, not really, because we only came up here like maybe once every other summer to spend the summer. And it was such a relief to get away from like that environment, like all the gang banging and ghetto shit. And it was such a nice like relief to come back up here in the country, you know? Yeah. And we never, we didn't want to go home. We, we hated going home back to school. Yeah. I, I want to go back because the story that you told me about that Frank guy. So like he, so he's a African-American guy. Yeah. He was a wino, right? I think you told me that he was a big wine drinker. No, that was another, that was, uh, that was Pete's another husband. That was Pete's brother. Which one I, I, I'm trying to find the guy that, that, uh, you guys Alvin. are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Grandma went away with Pete, her husband and left me and Steve. <laughs> with this guy okay he was gonna babysit us but it ended up me and uncle steve babysitting him at so, like 14 years old so where is she yeah going? like she just comes home one day and says hey i'm leaving no 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 it was a plan like a little they had somewhere to go they were going on vacation or whatever but she leaves us there <laughs> with this guy he can't drive a freaking car let alone a four-speed grandma had like a little volkswagen bug he decides he wants to go to the grocery store to get more wine. Okay. The guy's drunk. He can't even, he's, he's grinding the gears on this car. We finally, I don't know how we did it, but we ended up getting it to the farm fresh grocery store. He couldn't even back into a parking spot. Me and uncle Steve had to get out and, as kids and push this car into a parking spot. Then after the fiasco in the store, we end up like trying to get back home. And he tears the transmission out of the car and we end up leaving it on the side of the road. By the time grandma got home, like three days later, the car had been towed. It was gone. We, <laughs> she's like, where's my car? <laughs> we don't know. Alvin took it to the grocery store with us and <laughs> tore up the transmission. It broke down. We left it on the side of the road. <laughs> was he like a friend of, of her husband yeah. or something? Yes. Or? Yeah. Oh, they were all hippies. They used to sit around and like me and Uncle Steve would crack the door on the bedroom door just to like look out and smell the marijuana and listen to like Leonard Skinner and Peter Frampton. So like aside from the carnage that came from behind, and I say that with all due respect, was was she like like I envisioned Jenny from Forrest Gump? Um no, I think grandma was always just a, I think she was just a follower, you know, she fell into them, that, that crowd. Like when I was 20 years old, she had, she had me when she was 18, you know? Yeah. And then there was multiple times in between like husbands that it was just me and Steve and grandma and George Ann, which that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we put like shameless to shame our, our family <laughs> honestly I, I tell people that and i think they think that's my way of trying to like you you know what i mean you talk with people and they're like oh you could videotape my family we'd be a reality show and i'm oh. just thinking now you have you have no idea i watch shameless and i'm thinking that has to be based on your life like the, the stories on there i they 
people laugh and they think it's over the top. And I'm like, no, that shit's literally what my dad went through. No. And you know what? We would skip school for like weeks at a time. And back then they really didn't like follow up with it until it was like way into it. But so we were home all day. We would just do whatever we wanted. The paper boy. <laughs> he, he was kind of a pushover, an older kid. But me and Steve kidnapped him. We had him tied to a chair in our living room. And we walked around him interrogating him about shit that never even happened. And he, we just had this guy like terrified. I mean, it's a wonder that we, we didn't end up in like juvenile detention because it just wait never went there. Wait, wait a second. Oh, how, wait, how old are you and your brother at this? 13, 14. In the, in the paper boy? Probably 17, 18. Was he like slow? Um, he was just really, really uh, flamboyant, I guess. Like, I don't know if he was gay or what, but he was just like very feminine. And we saw like our opportunity, like, oh my God, we can just like, well, I don't know, our evil little minds, we just wanted to have fun. And we just, we took the opportunity and got him in the house and like tied him up into a chair and interrogated him. And then we made him go to the grocery store to get us a bottle of Boone's Farm strawberry wine and some cigars. But what, while he was in the store, we called the store and described him and said he was in there stealing stuff. <laughs> what the for laughs. I don't know why are we were so demented like that, but we were just looking for like anything we could to like have fun. And we did. <laughs> crazy stuff my god justin one time we decided we're gonna get on the phone and this little old lady who lived next door wore sunglasses like at nighttime and rolled her own cigarettes out of a laredo cigarette roller we're, we we were gonna mess with her so what we did is we called we called a taxi we called a pizza we called a tow truck we called a fireman we called a policeman and we watched them one by one like pull into the parking lot because <laughs> back then i mean if as long as you did it quick and like hung up they couldn't they never knew who it was but we we looked out the window and like saw all this going on like we had everything going to her house everything <laughs> how how messed up is that i i mean i guess it's just when you don't have money you don't have supervision you find yourself doing crazy shit i mean I, my my childhood was nothing like, I mean, I had supervision for the most part. I mean, it's, it, I think we had freedom as kids probably because it was, you knew that even the freedom that you were giving us was nothing like the freedom that you had. So it seemed oh, no, probably no. restrictive, but I mean, even with the little bit of freedom that I have, I mean, you came home from work. I mean, did my brother's jumping off the roof into beanbags because I wanted to play fear factor. So right. I mean, I, I get it. I just, I mean, that's just a different, different level. I mean, I would have, I would have been petrified to pull the shit that you did just for fear that you would have beat my ass. And well, I guess that's the key, right? It's like, you didn't have that fear. I don't think you were really intimidated by grandma at a certain point in time, right? No. And no, we were never like pushed into any like other interests, like sports, like you guys, you did everything. You played basketball, baseball, football, I mean, school sports. I never, I was afraid. I, I came like to the very day I was supposed to go and play little league. And I was so like, uh, I don't know. I had no confidence, no self-confidence at all. 
that I was just petrified and I backed out. I didn't even want to go play like little league baseball at like eight years old because I was afraid, you know, and we didn't have what everybody else had. My sneakers were, they, they called them butter cookies. You know, they would slide across the floor. I, didn't, I don't think I owned a pair of Levi's or until I was like 15 years old, you know, that's all I ever wanted. Just a pair of Levi's as a, as a teenager. Cause you got all that peer pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember and we didn't have it. You, oh yeah. You told me about the red rubber galosh, the, the boots that you. Would oh yeah. Bag. Yeah. I had to wear those. And you know what? I would put them in a, a ground paper grocery bag when I got on a school bus because I didn't want to be made fun of. I wouldn't wear them, but I was, I, I was forced to. That's what, that's what I, that's what I had. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird, right? I went down to Virginia and I was selling alarm systems. I don't know if you remember that. When I was down, um, we drove from Des Moines, Iowa. I was selling selling alarms in Des Moines, Iowa. And the way it worked for anybody that's listening is um, you would go out in like April timeframe and you would sell alarm systems door to door, Monday through Saturday. You'd have Sunday off because you worked with a bunch of Mormons. but Monday through Saturday, you'd start at around 10 a.m. and you'd knock doors until dark. And for whatever reason, the people who were in the company, there's like 20 people per city. They were in Virginia Beach. They decided to leave and go to a different city midway through. And so we drove on like a Saturday evening, all day Sunday from Des Moines to Virginia Beach. And I remember instantly being thrown into the neighborhoods where you grew up. And I asked this lady, I'm like, yeah, my dad, it was like a way for me to like connect with the people I was trying to sell things to. And uh, I was like, my dad's actually from this area. And they're like, oh yeah, where from? And I'm like, he lived in the Robin Hood apartments. And every time I would say it, these people would like, look at me. And they're like, I don't even think they're there anymore, quite honestly. Cause I tore down. Yep. I tried to go look, but just the areas that I was in, I try to like envision being a child and growing up in that environment. And it's funny because do you remember uh, the band Everclear? I do. And uh, there's a song called Father of Mine. Yeah. The music video, if anybody watched, like that music video is literally, like I listen to that song and it makes me feel bad. I'm like, it reminds me of you, like in, in your childhood and it's like, like young white kid in this really ethnic neighborhood at a time where, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably look at what's going on in the world today. And it's like, you hear things like white privilege. It's like, I, I don't know what kind of privilege you had being white in your, your neck of the woods when you were growing up, but there probably wasn't a whole lot of privilege in that. Exactly. And you're right. That's how I do think. I, I mean, I'm sure like there are lots of people who, have a legit uh reason for feeling that way but i don't no way not how i grew up had nothing and guess what i ended up like after i turned 18 i never got in trouble again got married had boys had a great life for you know 25 years me and your mom were married it's, i mean <laughs> it was awesome i always wanted my kids to have the same mom and dad when they were my age because i never had that Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have done you've played your cards very well you know 
I don't think that we were necessarily dealt, you know, you guys have with your background and the age at which you and mom had me, I, you know, who am I kidding? No, and, and we, we really though, we were like two totally different people. She was born and raised in Bradford, had never been anywhere. And I grew up like way different, way different than her, you know? She was 16 years old. I was 20. Thank God grandpa liked me. <laughs> I'd either be dead or in jail, but you know. Oh my God. This is so we're what? We're 20 minutes in now, and you've talked about kidnapping somebody and statutory rape. Joey Diaz shit, right? Only I didn't go to prison. <laughs> I um uh, let's go for the trifecta because there's something that Louie was like, you got to ask dad. So, and this is certainly not indicative. I think it shows your growth as a person, but he told me about this story about, and I, I vaguely remember it, but it must be something you shared with him where I don't know if it was you and Steven, but you guys like went into a house in Virginia beach and just completely trashed a house. Yeah, I did. Uncle Steve had no part in that. I was with some other friends. I was in junior high school. I was probably 14 years old, running with the wrong crowd. I was, I was, I admit it. I was always a follower, you know, like older kids. No, they were my age, but they were like way more mature than I was. You know what I mean? The one, the one kid's mother, I mean, my best friend, Bobby Santana, me and uncle Steve used to babysit. His mother was older, but she had like little kids and me and Steve, they lived in the same apartment complex, but we would go babysit for her. And she would have these like crazy looking like people over at her house coming in and like dealing drugs. And I mean, I've seen some shit that like, it was just crazy. She used to hang joints off her Christmas tree. Well, one day me and Steve in her home, sitting at the dining room table, eating dinner and watching the news and her face pops up on the evening news at six o'clock that she had been popped uh, involved in a Corvette stealing ring. <laughs> we looked at each other. <laughs> it's like, we, we can't let mom know about this. She won't let us babysit her for, for her anymore. But yeah, she went to prison after that, but crazy. Unreal. Yeah. It was like stuff you watched on TV only it was just real and normal. But anyway, yes, me and her son, went i guess this kid was a relative of his i didn't know him i just went along for the ride but i was involved yeah we went in their house and literally like if that was me i i would have probably like hunted somebody down and, and killed him because i mean you're talking about like shoe polish on the walls and everything out of the fridge in their dresser drawers and just trash and anything and everything that you could possibly do and when I had to go in front of that judge at the juvenile court and he looked at them pictures, I only got probation. They had, you know, they had priors and they were always in trouble anyway, but yeah, they got in trouble. Jesus. But it, yeah, I, and when I think back and that's something I'm really not proud of because I can't imagine like coming home and seeing a mess like that, you know. You got eggs in your fucking cowboy boots. I mean, you got ketchup and mustard all over your freaking like furniture and shoe polish like all over your walls yeah, just no, a mess. I, I no and I I appreciate it because I it's fun like I I'm I'd be lying if I said I don't laugh when I think about it I mean trying to envision myself coming home to my house and having it just randomly be trashed and 
I mean, it is though. It's horrible. And but why? I think it, yeah. No, and that's what I want to get at. I think it's interesting, right? Because you're not somebody who's continued to live. Like, it, it's possible to change. And I think, you know, not to get too. I want to keep this lighthearted, not get all you know goofy and sentimental and shit. No, but Justin, I think I was. I think I had a lot of anger. You know what I mean? I just yeah. was like that was my way of venting. You know. Yeah. No, it makes want to be destructive. No, I mean you're you're young. I mean, like you're saying, you're in charge of of kids. I mean, Graham, if I'm not mistaken, she worked a lot of like jobs and bars and things at night. So yeah, she was always a bartender. And that's the weird part. She never smoked or never drank, but she was a bartender for 30 years. So weird. You know? It's really weird. So that's why we'd take Georgiana to the grocery store and put her in a shopping cart and use it for cover. Every day after school, we would go steal a can of Betty Crocker frosting and a freaking cake mix in a box. We would go home, we would bake the cake, frost the cake, eat the cake, whatever we didn't eat, we threw out. And it's amazing that she never smelled cake when she came home from work or wondered why we weren't hungry. <laughs> we did it every day. You can't do that nowadays. I got cameras. They didn't have cameras back then. You got two teenage kids and a, and a little girl. And they're in there like, and that's what we're doing. We're stealing frosting and cake every day. <laughs> How old was she? She was probably, she's eight years younger than me. So if we were 14, then she was probably just what, like six? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Dragging her home, like from the, we used to go to the YMCA and we knew that like Kiss was going to be on the Paul Lynn like Halloween special. We're dragging her. Like she wasn't moving fast enough for us. We don't want to miss it. Me and Steve were Kiss freaks as kids. She lost her shoes. Us dragging her home. <laughs> was it cool to like Kiss back then? Because I've heard I've heard two versions, right? And I don't. Maybe you can clarify what this is even about. But I've never been a big Kiss fan. I mean, there's certain songs that I'm like, okay, yeah, it's that's good it it seemed somewhat of a novelty because of the makeup but i get it like as a kid how that would be so cool but then i've heard other people who maybe are like eight or nine years ten years younger than you who are like i liked kiss but it was like not something that i talked about is that because they got like disco-y and shit into the 70s and that's i liked them like kiss alive one because it was just they were blowing shit up and the makeup and the stage presence and just the show i mean 1976 i think was my first concert grandma took us actually kiss and uh then they had uh the destroyer and then any anything past love gun then i yeah i lost interest i mean once ace freely and peter chris left the band but kiss in the 70s no they were the shit because they just were so new and so different and just so like hard that's when we like our bedroom was like a kiss museum we had everything kiss everything we used to like dress up during the day drag the stereo outside and we would put that kiss alive one album on right to the talking the music we would put grandma's fur coats on we had the lady next door would do our face with makeup we'd put wigs on big high heel boots <laughs> whatever clothes we could come up with and we would like go outside and lip sync that whole freaking two album uh kiss alive one 
we charged like 25 cents to all the neighborhood kids. We put on a kiss show. I mean, it's no different than, I mean, shit, I, I, like you're saying that and I'm thinking about, we did that backyard carnival. God almighty. We, <laughs> we had a neighbor who was a cop nonetheless. And <laughs> I remember, and their kids and I, and us did a carnival in the backyard. We, we literally came up with 10 different types of carnival games. We got all the other kids in the neighborhood to help out. And then we charged people and we made a bunch of money and it was so illegal. <laughs> like, I, I never really thought about that, but I mean, it's, it's not harming anybody, but I mean, the fact that it was held at a police officer's home and that uh, we, I mean, I, I probably pocketed 50 or 60 bucks. I actually remember that I took the money that I made on that and I went to Darien Lake, which is, you know, Six Flags Darien Lake. And that was part of what paid for my, my summer fun for the three-day trip to Darien Lake that year. Being creative. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's I mean, awesome. That's where your entrepreneurship started, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we did the – we had a street hockey league. You remember that? We walked yeah. we went door to door and collected, <laughs> we collected money from people to start a street hockey league that never really got started pocketed that as i mean we always had good intentions but i think just never knew how to like take it across the finish line i guess when you're you know a little kid yeah and that's where i think all these like city laws came into effect like solicitation no soliciting you can't come in here and like do stuff like that and like take money out of people's pockets for but you know what when it comes to kids always like supported them yeah i've done that i shit i think about like grade school right they'd send me home with those catalogs of like wrapping paper and summer ham and salami and cheese and different things and they'd have those kids go door to door in their neighborhoods and sell wrapping paper and different popcorn and shit like that to their neighbors and they would entice them with that you know they'd stick the the other sheet of paper with the prizes it's like if you sell you know, between 500 and a thousand dollars worth of candy corn, then you'll get a, you know, a, a cheap Chuck E. Cheese type, you know, prize at this level. And it would go up and up and up. Yeah. How does that work? How they, the school can dangle the carrot in front of a kid's eyes for you to go out and do their dirty work for them. And that was perfectly okay. You'd never send it. I, I try to think of that now. Like you'd never send your kid out to go knocking door to door to sell wrapping paper. <laughs> no. Ever. No. No, you wouldn't even let them go out. Me and Steve used to get on the city bus and like go to the mall. And we had no money. We were kids. We'd walk around that mall and just <laughs> create havoc. Steal a pair of walkie-talkies and then go home and tell grandma we found money and bought them. <laughs> we'd go to the carnivals if they the little the little raunchy carnivals that they'd have. We'd wait till nighttime when they were closed and we'd go and like jump the fence and go in there and walk around. It was creepy, but fun. Good adrenaline rush. I mean, Try to sneak in, sneak in the tent that had like the two-headed baby in a jar because we wanted to see it. <laughs> the freak show. 
or the guy that had like freaking crab claws for hands. I feel bad for kids these days, you know, like I lived in an era where I feel like the early part of my childhood up until like high school and even there, like growing up in Bradford, it allowed, I think, for things to get to us later. So, you know, I talk with other kids. I think about Steve Thompson, who was in my wedding. Shout out, Steve. What's up, buddy? Um, you know, he grew, <laughs> up, he grew up outside of New York City. And so we start talking about our backgrounds and very similar. But once he hit like middle school and high school, I feel like trends and technology and just the, the way things were done that then trickle out to everybody else, they happen sooner there. Right. And so I was shielded still a little bit in high school where I think other kids were exposed to more, but it certainly was like right after I got out of high school, like 2005, between 2005 and 2010, the world shifted a lot. And the kids that came behind me, those five or 10 years later, they're living in a completely different existence than what I grew up in and what you definitely grew up in. I I think I've had a really unique perspective to see both in a relative short amount of time where I think probably the majority of your life still is in the vein of what it was back then, you know, and only the last 15 or 20 years of it has been with this new technological advancements, you know, like you were saying, you could never go in and steal a, a, a quick, you know, a cake box and frosting and go home and do that. You'd, no. you'd pop the first time. I mean, that was the reality that you lived in or the, you know, making the phone calls to prank your neighbor and stuff like that. Like you'd get, you'd get caught. Right. But I mean, I got in a lot of trouble, a lot of mischief, you know, as a kid, you were, uh, Joey and I talked about this. It was like, you guys can go from that corner to that corner. And it's like, we were playing behind houses and alleyways. And it was only when mom would scream at the top of her lungs that dinner was ready or it was time to come in to go to bed that we would come in. And I'm pretty laid back when I, in comparison to most people I know, but I still find myself being like, where's Hendrix? Where, like, where is he? It's just the world we live in is different. Oh, high alert, high alert. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then it's like I had Tim Kennedy on here and he got into some of the shit that goes on from a trafficking perspective. And it just takes it, your fears to a completely different level. And when you realize that like kids just disappear all the time. And he actually cares, you know, he, there's a guy right there. It's been to the border than more, more than Biden and Kamala uh, combined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, it's, but in a, in a weird kind of way, it's, you know, why don't we take the, the words of of people like that a little bit more seriously? It's like, I heard Jocko, you know, when the, when the whole defund the police thing was coming out, I mean, here's a guy who's a Navy, Navy SEAL commander. He's taught the, the elite of the elite in this country, how to engage with force in a way that's safe, you know, that's precise I mean, we're talking about the best of the best. Right. He's worth and, listening to. People yeah. don't. Yeah. And in his perspective was we we definitely have situations that are completely unacceptable. But the answer isn't less funding. I mean, the answer is more funding because these people need more training. They should be training more than they're actually spending time out in the field. I mean, think about that. And if we truly value the job that they're doing and we value them doing it well, 
none of us, I don't want to fucking see what happened to somebody like George Floyd, uh, whether no. or not the guy was on drugs, whatever. Like I, that was horrible. No. And neither do these deprived neighborhoods. They, that's the last thing they want is like uh, less police. They actually want more police. I mean, exactly. the, the good people. Yeah. And if you truly value them, it might seem counterintuitive and it probably will, it, it not will probably, it definitely will cost way more money to do this, but you need to have more qualified people. You need to pay a higher salary, which will then demand a, a more qualified applicant. You're going right. to get better, better applicants to apply. And then you, you invest in their training. If you want to put these people on the streets, you know, if they're spending 40 hours a week at work, I, I, you know, he was saying 20 to 30 hours, 20 to 25, maybe should be training situational awareness, you know, what to do. Yeah. And I think like training should be across the board. You can't have like one city doing it one way, another city doing it another way. I mean, that's a lot of problems like come out of that. Have, have like a, I don't know, like a national freaking training, like, agenda and have everybody on the same page yeah do it right yeah i mean i you see some police officers and it's it's just i'm disappointed when i see behavior and you see like situations get escalated because cops just don't have the communication skills that they should have and you wonder how did they get through and then then you think like maybe they do have communication skills maybe they just had a bad day you or they got little dicks and they got bullied in high school and then they want to take it out on everybody else. There certainly is that, you know, there's, there's, we, and I know a bunch of them. There's certainly oh, that, but then I think, I think about it. I, I think about how I've blown up at people. Right. And it's like, how much of what we're seeing is somebody who, you know, their wife put a, an envelope on the counter, they're behind on their mortgage, they're going to lose their house or their, their child has a, you know, some sort of illness or, you know, they're, they're dealing with some, something, you know, with their family. I mean, we forget that they're human, right. And that every one of those people live their own lives and have their own problems and challenges. And you might be catching somebody after a phone call that they just got that puts them in a different headspace. And it by all means does not justify behavior like that. And I think those people are held to a higher standard, but it goes back to my point as to why you would pay somebody more money why you would invest more funds as opposed to defund and why it's important to do that. Because, I mean, there should be some sort of act of counseling. You know, I, I don't know enough to say with, you know, absolute certainty of, of kind of what that is, but I'm sure it's cert- it's not anywhere near what it needs to be. Yeah. These people are, they're, they're, they're living life on 10, nine, you know, constantly every car, Somebody might be ready to roll the window down and shoot. Right. Right. When you make a traffic stop, you have no idea like who's in there or what's going through their mind. And (laughs) you have to be like on high alert like that. And sometimes it's justified. Sometimes it's not. But I say the same thing to like some of the DOT officers that like really give truck drivers a hard time. I'm like, what? Did your wife freaking leave you and sleep with a truck driver? Why did you? Why are you like, why are you tripping on me? They get, let's like a power trip. I don't know. And that then I'm sure that's part of it. A lot of them have that. I'm glad you bring that up. I, I wanted to transition there and I almost forgot. I mean, that this whole 
you know, you've been driving cross country now over the road for how was it 15 years? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, 13 years, like delivering freight and then three years in, in the gas field with a CDL. But yeah, so about 13 years. What, I mean, do you take anything from that? Like if you really sit down and look at it and you know, what I mean is society as far as how people are, whether it be over the course of time in general, or even when you go place to place in today's day and age, like just the difference between people. Is that oh, yeah. for you? I, uh, I meet a lot of like really, really cool people go to a lot of really neat places. So yeah, it don't, hasn't like poisoned my mind to the point where I'm like, I'm just, I'm done with it. And everybody's just saying, no, it's, it's like any job, but there are, I mean, there's just assholes out there. There's asshole truck drivers. There's asshole police officers. There's asshole bartenders. <laughs> I like my job, but the days go by like so fast. Everything like mixes into one. It could be Friday. I think it's Wednesday. You know, the, the lifestyle is a little bit different. But I mean, you guys are all grown. You have your own lives. You're all spread out. I don't want to be like stuck in Braff or PA. I, I like my job. You got to like to drive. You got to like people. I'm very personable. You know that. And I make the best of it. But yeah, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of like bad places, a lot of bad people. And it'll always be that way. But you know what? The one thing that has never changed for me since I was a little kid and like all the changes throughout all the years, music. Music has always like been there and always will be there. Always. Gets oh, you through a lot. Oh, yeah. It's it's funny how like moments in time become synonymous with certain songs. Like I'll hear Huge. songs. We were listening to I, Brian. Uh, who the hell sings Cherry Bomb? Um, John Cougar. Yeah, John Cougar. Or no, John Cougar Mellencamp these days, but it's John Cougar to me. John Cougar back then. It came on and I was telling Allison, I was like, it freaks me out. It was 31 years ago. Mom was pregnant <laughs> and I would be driving around and that song would be on the radio and I'd be like singing along. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it takes you to those moments or, you know, I'll hear songs and I'm like, wow, that's a great song. I remember that was like right when I got my driver's license and that was like the only song that I played constantly. I was like on a big rap kick back then. It was like some Tupac and you had a Tupac poster on your bedroom door on Jackson yeah, I Avenue. So into Tupac. Yeah. I like Tupac. I like some of his stuff. Guy was a genius. Actually. Um, it's funny you say that. Like I, um, I don't know where it is. There was an interesting poem. I saw Jada Pinkett Smith shared that he had given to her. So Will Smith's wife was friends with Tupac. Um, they filmed a movie together. Um, was it Poetic Justice, maybe? I don't know. I might be wrong with that, but whatever. They, they were in a movie and became very good friends, and he was a poet. You know, I, I, I appreciate him more and more. Like, I liked him early on, and then I was like, oh, I found other rappers who are better lyrical rappers than Tupac was and I kind of like dismissed him but now as I've matured and I go back and I listen like 
what he did, his art was something that'll stand the test of time. And he, he draped it with the things in music that were relevant at that time period. But the message transcends across all of that. And it's relevant today. The things that he said, I think it'll be relevant in 20 or 30 years. And, you know, it's drawn from experiences and from stories and things that I think that he probably learned. If you look at his background, his education that comes from so far before him. And I think that only makes sense as to why it still continues to be so powerful uh, when you read it. Oh yeah. You know what? The majority of his stuff, excuse me, does come from like life experiences. Take that song, uh, dear mama. I mean, how about that one? It's, That'll never get old. So true. He wasn't embarrassed to like tell tell you about how he grew up and about how his mom was, but he still like cherished her, you know? Yeah. She did whatever she had to do to put a hot meal on a plate, even though she was a crackhead. What do you think that is, right? Because like I said it early on, you've been somebody who's always had this optimistic viewpoint or outlook or you... You could have you could have used how you grew up as a crutch. You could have used it as an excuse. You could dwell on that. I know people who didn't have it nearly as bad as you, but you'd think that they had it worse. And it gets in the way. And I feel so bad for people that allow stuff like that to cloud their ability to live a fruitful life and fulfilled life. But what is it? I mean, is there anything that you can think about that tells you why you were able to kind of let it roll off your back and smile as opposed to get bitter about it? Well, I guess you just always hope that like things will get better. And there's always that chance to, no, they're, they're, and let, you have to make them better. You get stuck in that rut and start going backwards. You're either going to end up dead or in prison. And I, I don't know, I guess it is kind of unique, but I always knew that what kind of person I was, you know, I wasn't like good all the time. I always liked to party, but at some point you, you just got to, what, what's the famous saying? You got to grab your ass with both hands and like move forward. You have to, it's a mentality. It is. I didn't, I never like looked at myself as all oh, poor, pitiful me. I'm the victim and poor me, poor me. No, you gotta like, you gotta pick it up. You gotta step it up and make it right. I don't know. I think, I, I think I'm all right. I do all right. Have a good relationship with my boys. You know, I'm still alive. I have a job. I'm per- I'm a doer, not a drainer. That was the other thing. I always had that like mindset. I'll never ever be one of these generational like people. There are people that need help. Don't get me wrong. But then there's the ones who just rely on. They're just lazy, and they're gonna do what their their parents did and their grandparents did, and they'll they'll never change. They're just stuck. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's what you guys have ingrained in us. And I'm, I've worked since as early as I was able to work. And that's, I've always appreciated that from both you and mom, you guys have had a work ethic that's, you know, certainly left an impression on me. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. I, I, you, you talk about experiences and there's been so many things that we talk about that are strange, but I want to share you. I don't know why it came to my mind. Um, <laughs> what was the guy's name that um, 
he was, was he a homeless guy or his car broke down on the side of the road? Popeye was his name. Popeye. Popeye. You ever hear? Yep. Him? So, so I'm cruising up out of Florida on I-95 and I see this big old, like older Cadillac on the side of the road. And this old man standing there, like with a big white beard and some glasses. I don't even know why. Cause most of the time, Justin would never like pull over, but he just, there was something about the way he looked that nobody was helping him. So I pull over and he tells me that he's trying to get up to Florence, South Carolina. He bought this car in Wildwood, Florida. He made it a few hundred miles. He didn't pay a lot of money for it, but the engine blew up in it. I'm like, well, that's when I asked him, where are you trying to get to? I had an empty trailer. So I'm like, look, I'll help you out. I can get you there. Get all your stuff out of your car. We'll put it in the back of my trailer. I'll throw a padlock on it. He pulled the plate off his car. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with your car? And he's like, someone will take it. <laughs> someone will take it. Okay. <clears throat> he didn't care. So we drive north up to uh, a truck stop. I take the guy next door. We have wings. I buy him beers. I let him sleep in the truck. He just seemed like a trustworthy guy. He wasn't, I mean, I didn't feel threatened by him at all. But what he did was he polished chrome and he did like glass etching. He did it at truck stops. He would go all over the place and do it. I wake up in the morning and he's out there like polishing my wheels and my tanks and my, <laughs> all the plastic on like the headlights. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. So anyway, my load was supposed to be going to like Chicago area, but he needed to go north a little bit to this Petro truck stop that he was going to hook up with a buddy and go to work for him. So I went out a route and I started heading up there towards him. I get a message from my company. Hey, they would obviously they want to make sure someone didn't hijack the truck and they want to make sure it's still me driving it. So they asked me why I'm going like this way when I should be going that way. And I told him I missed my exit and I'm going to go up to the next major interstate, I-26, and then connect back up there. And they're like, okay. I take this guy up to where he needs to be. I unload all of his stuff, 95 degrees outside, help him carry it over to this little shop. And we shook hands and like exchanged phone numbers. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but what a neat old guy. Called him Popeye. He told me he used to be a millionaire. He used to own like five trucks. And I get it. That happens to people. You know how true that is? I mean, it could be, could not be. I don't know. But he was just a genuine, like, good dude. And he just happened to be in the right place at the right time when old Davy Jones is driving by. Because guess what? <laughs> I helped him. We had a blast. I I love it. And then I, I'm like. I know it's scary. Dad, you're going to wind up dumpster somewhere the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that you allow somebody to sleep in your truck freaks me out but i i get it yeah. it's but i i think about the other i mean you told me once about somebody that tried to break into your truck and it's like that yeah. could be the, the flip side of that i woke up and the dude was standing with my door open on my step in nashville tennessee i jumped up out of my bed and the guy looked at me he's like oh my bad i'm just trying to get a ride to memphis and i just i mean i was like flabbergasted i didn't even know he caught me off so off guard that I just like looked at him and I mean he could have shot me could have like stabbed me I had my windows down a little bit okay the truck was quiet it was dark he reached his hand in the window and unlocked my doors he was gonna steal he was gonna steal everything I had in there he, th he didn't think anybody was in there the bastard I should have if I was thinking right I should have knocked him backwards into the guy's truck like 
directly next to me and we both would have kicked this guy's ass and he he was just a crackhead you know looking to steal shit from someone you know do you see a lot of that stuff out there i mean oh yeah yeah is there there like an underbelly to the the trucker world out there in different areas like i had jacob out your little brother one summer (laughs) when he was younger for three weeks i had him out on the road i had him in memphis we're buying like movies, bootleg movies out of some guy's car who had a CB antenna on his car, rolling through the truck stop selling movies. I let Jacob go over to his window and like pick out, uh, you get five for 20 or whatever the deal was. But <laughs> what an experience. He had fun. I had him everywhere. I had Jacob in 23 states in three weeks. <laughs> My God. Had him out to, remember, had him out to uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, that's right. And you ended up like that. I know you need to get him because he was so hyper. They got this stuff now. It comes in grape flavor. It's called Slow Your Roll. (laughs) Had melatonin in it. Yeah. Put his ass to sleep because he just wouldn't. I would buy like three pizzas on a deal somewhere thinking that, okay, we'll have, we'll have pizza like today. And then we can put some in the fridge and he would, he would lay back in that bed. I mean, God love him now because he's so like different and fit and conscientious about what he eats. Ass. He would fucking eat. He would eat all three of them pizzas all at once within a, like a 12 hour span. They were gone. <laughs> what a change with that kid. Jake, I know. God love him. What a change. When I got home, there was a, I got a father's day card from, from him and he wrote a very heartfelt message inside of it. And I got to call him tomorrow because it actually brought tears to my eyes. I mean, he, he did it on his own. He wrote what he wrote. I mean, I know he means it, but he's Jacob is. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's Jake's Jake for sure. He's up and down. He's a roller coaster ride in his mind, but God, I love him. And I think he's a lot better now. He focuses a lot more. Yeah, getting out of town was the best thing that ever happened to him. And whether or not he ever comes back, I think, um, you know, we, we've talked about just the growth, you know, and, and the, the way that he even looks at things and the criticisms that he levels on himself. Oh. You know, those are criticisms that he would have never even imagined to, to even have on himself because in the past, those weren't things that he even would have – in his mind thought he was capable of doing. So how would you criticize yourself about something that you didn't think was capable in the first place? So that in and of itself is growth. And I think right. he just, I think he's more hard on himself than anything, but that's a part of growing up. And I couldn't be more proud of the, the young man that he's become. Oh yeah. And, and you know what, the, just the transformation, like of, of like his physical, like body. I mean, my God, Jake, you were shaped like a freaking like a bell pepper and, and then all of a sudden, I mean, look at him now. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing looking and he's like, so into it. And that's like a, a lot of it's like you and, and Louie, you guys are gym rats. And I never like thought of Jacob as a gym rat, but he loves it. He doesn't, he doesn't like, if he can't go to the gym every day, he gets mad. structure you know it's good you know i think like i said i think he's hard on himself about stuff sometimes and he should realize the progress that he's made but you know there's nothing wrong with that i'm the first one to throw up a david goggins you know story that he puts out share it in my shit because it's like the world needs people like that you know it's like 
if you're not willing to push yourself beyond the limits of what you feel is just comfortable, you'll never, ever accomplish things. That's, you know, I, I don't know where that came from. I think, I think we all have that in us a little bit as people. Honestly, I think it's just an innate thing. I don't think you or mom pushed me to be that way. But no. what I think you did was you allowed me to be when I was where a lot of other parents are really quick to rein their kids in when they may be a little wild or, you know, thinking, I mean, well, let me just say this too. Ma, I know I'm going to hear it that she's, she's not been on the podcast yet. And now you're on the podcast, but you know, oh, it must be nice to be on Justin's podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm saving her for a, I'm saving her for another day. Cause that's going to be uh, explosive in and of itself. But, you know, I, I think that um, I'm a lot like her, you know, our, your personality and my personality are much different. You know, you're a lot more conservative. You've, you know, you've, you've lived this life full of crazy experiences, but you were never the person when I was growing up that was like taking crazy chances. Mom was always that very um, impulsive personality like myself. And oh, that's where we would clash because I would always think, be thinking about like tomorrow or the next day where she would be thinking about the next five minutes. Oh, it sounds good. We're going to do it. You know, let's do it like right now. Like, right. no, think about it. Think about what you're saying. You oh, and that's where we would like clash a lot. Would she want to be the mayor? Oh my God. Or buy the house next door and open up a fucking art studio. Yeah. I said, what do you, you don't even draw or paint. Who, what are you going to subcontract it out? Yeah. But it's like funny. Cause it's like, now she does it's weird though right because she does now it's like all these things that were oh she absolutely does i've seen her work it's amazing yeah but back then she didn't no but it's funny because it was like this thing that she knew deep down inside she wanted to do and she didn't know how to do it and in her mind it was like well let's buy the house next door and turn it into a studio it was always those big ideas well no she wanted to do something before she was able to do it i think that's like what it was yeah no for sure oh god you guys were such so different and i think it's flash flash i grew up i mean you guys had a rocky marriage at times i mean you're four raising four kids not making a whole lot of money in a town that was not like economically booming Uh, she graduated high school pregnant with you it was not pretty it was so bad. Like at the time, that was tough. You know what I mean? Like it, it couldn't have been easy for you guys for sure. And I, you know, and I still like think about stuff like that and it breaks my heart. I mean, only because of you guys, because, you know, especially like <laughs> Joey and Jake, they were younger. Louie, he's just like, an old, I, Louie's like an old soul. He's so damn like tough mind, you know, and you too. Yeah. No, I mean, it, but, I, I'm glad there's, I don't think there's any long lasting effects. It's, it shaped us. And it's, there's way worse families out there. Oh, oh my yeah. No, I don't bring it up to, I, I bring it up because I think that it, it, it highlights all the positive when you can think about the negative. I mean, I, I talk with people and I forget that we are a little different. Like we lived, we lived differently. We loved big and we fought big, but we've, we love our, we love each other. And it's funny because now you guys aren't together and we get along better now than we, we ever along did better now. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I don't know where I'm rambling and I got off topic, but I, Oh, I know. It's like, you guys were so different and the the growing up and how she would just push your buttons. But I, 
oh man, it's like you move back in. And I think I talked about this, but like you got, I was out of the house, I think, but you guys caught wow. the house on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Her house. You guys, like you and mom separated and she ended up getting a new place. You guys sold our childhood home. I was in college at this point. I had left. I think like Louie may have been like a senior, but you were mm -hmm. working in the oil fields. You and mom kind of rekindled. You moved back home and we're making yeah. a, a second run at it. Hadn't gotten divorced. And what had like you, did you go upstairs? You were upstairs on a computer, right? I was upstairs, like listening to music on Napster in the back room in a computer. And she had left and went somewhere with one of her friends and left one of those gigantic fucking three wick candles burning on top of the mantle on, over the fireplace. And somebody came upstairs like yelling and screaming at like the fucking house was on fire. And I remember like coming down and I took my good company coat and started like swatting at it, trying to put it out. <laughs> we got the fire out and then it was like, all right, well, we got to paint this thing to like make it look just like it did before, <laughs> before she gets home. <laughs> oh my God. That ain't the only candle experience. And it happened at the other house too. We just got brand new, like $5,000 Berber carpet. She left a big three wick freaking candle burning and left and didn't tell us. We were having band practice in the basement and I come upstairs and it was it sounded like the faucet was running. And I went in the dining room and this freaking candle was like gushing wax, like all down that like wooden bookcase and all like this gigantic spot on the floor. You know, I literally for like four days on my hands and knees with ice cubes and like, I think peanut butter it with a butter knife. And I got every bit of that wax out of that spot on that carpet because I couldn't deal with it. Oh, I had no. to fix it. <laughs> the stories I know. There, I, I know I'm like going every which way, but that's what I wanted this, this conversation to just be stories. I thought with father's day, I mean, I haven't been yeah. able to, to recreate any of these with Hendra. I did fall down the stairs and you, you're aware of that when, after he was first born trying to oh, think yeah. of something else. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm very, I'm aware of the hardships in life and some of the craziness. That's a part of my character, like that patina of 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 your character you know what i mean it's yeah. it's what makes a a really cool old knife when you find like an old case knife and you look at it and it's like it was taken care of but it certainly has been through it's been used it's been through some shit it's got some stories yeah. tied to it and that's that's why i enjoy being alive so much i you know i really do i i love those memories and i love knowing that I live in a way which is going to bring more of those memories. I'm, I was going through like Louie's bachelor party and I tr like, I put up a post on Instagram of us tubing. And I mean, my God, <laughs> I don't, I honestly am curious how we got back all in one piece. There was six of us out there. We went to Lake Havasu. We rented a boat and we rented multiple jet skis. I don't yeah. know. None of us had a boat license. I don't even, I mean, I guess the law in Arizona lets you just run a boat. I've driven a boat a few times. I mean, I, I, I was like, okay, yeah. I can do it. But I mean, we're out in the middle of this lake with that thing pegged. And I mean, we were fucking flying. We, that thing was doing like 55 miles an hour and we were pulling people. I came off of that inner tube so hard. And Kenny is my witness. I mean, 
I had bruises all over my legs because I felt like I got thrown across the cement. It hurt so (laughs) bad. Water's not so soft when you're like going across it that fast. No, And it was like, it wasn't in a straight line. They would, they'd be pulling you straight. I mean, we were doing like 50, 55 miles an hour in this boat. Then they would turn it and I'd get whipped out to the edge and I'm hanging on for dear life, just shaking. And then it lifts up and it flips me over and I hit that water and get pulled across. I mean, I've, you know, felt like I had a little bit of a headache. I was nauseous a few times. And then I look at it and we're, we had, we thought we were like being safe, having like trailers in the, uh, in the jet skis here. We're, we're like trailing the boat. I mean, just stupid stupidity, but those are memories. You know, those are things that Louie, Joey, Kenny, Chris, you know, everybody that went, Jake, (laughs) laugh about that stuff. I watch that video and I think like some of the, the fucking shit that we did. The dr- living on the edge yeah the drive from las vegas down there and we're going through we decided to take a detour we drove through the desert and it's just all of those things are as a father the things that i'm going to be like oh initially i don't want hendrix to do that that's dangerous i don't want him to be an asshole like that like have a little bit more respect and there's certainly a line but i think there's also a line of going over the edge a little bit that you want to cross that you should cross that you need to build up some scar tissue you need to have those experiences of getting in trouble a little bit and causing some mischief that's life experiences that's how you learn you live and learn that's the definition yeah i don't think there's enough people that have that anymore and i i think we're living in a reality that takes how do you how do you get in trouble like that these days you it's it's a lot harder because the consequences are are much more rigid in some aspects. I think technology's made it so that a lot of these things don't even, you can't get in those types of trouble. It's, it's the, we're living in a different reality. Oh yeah. And I wonder what the long-term social effects of that really will be in a hundred, 150 years. You know, who knows? Maybe I'm making a whole lot of something out of nothing, but. No. You're not. And he's only, he's only, he's not even two yet. So, oh my God, you just, it's just starting. You wait. And you're right. Times are different. People are different. The way that, that, like the think process is, who knows? But I know you, you're, you're a good dad. She's a good mom. You'll keep them on the straight and narrow. You'll let them cross the line every now and then, but yeah, he'll live and learn. He's going to get hurt (laughs) for sure. That he will that he uh, got a good family a good support system so i'm happy yeah. for that this is a lot of fun <laughs> oh my god i know I sit here and just like talk i could go on for hours and hours and hours oh my god i know there's so many stories oh, oh just driving around the country and hitting the casinos and oh that's fun to me. I always like to find like a live band somewhere. I would rather do that than like sit in a coffee shop. I mean, they call me whatever, but I talked to you. The, I talked to you the other day when I, when I called you to come on the podcast, you were yeah. telling me about you were what you were up near Buffalo and what I was, happened? Yeah, uh, it was on the, uh, in Irving, New York. I was running out of time. I had like 20 minutes left on my clock looking for a place to park. I got off this exit to go to this little place called Native Pride Truck Stop. 
I had no idea. Like all I needed was a place to sleep. I turned the corner, start coming down the road. And I see like this Indian guy out in the road with like an orange flag, like waving people in. And I'm thinking, oh, really? They're, they're hurting for business that bad. They're like just trying to like coax people in. I turn into this parking lot and there is like a thousand Harley Davidsons. There's tents everywhere. There's a live band playing. Anita West, is, who's an old school DJ from 97 Rock in Buffalo, New York, is there hosting it. And I was like, how do I stumble upon something like this? This is great. I had the best prime rib sandwich. I was drinking beer, listening to music. They had fireworks. And then I just walked across the parking lot and got in my truck and, and uh, talked to you and, and went to bed. It was just so weird. Never even seen it coming. And there it was, like right there. I just fell on it. <laughs> Perfect. I feel like that happens monthly to you. <laughs> hey, one quick story. How about the time I was in Wyoming? And I was at that place called the Outlaw Inn. Oh, my God. And I lost my phone. I thought you died. That, that I thought you got murdered. Dude, I really that dude you found murdered. my phone, and he started calling everybody in my contacts. Yeah, saying, so hey, I have you here. This is a good way. This is a good way to end it. So yeah, I I get a random phone call. What, did, I'm trying to think. Did he call me from your phone or did he call me from? He did. He he must have called you from from my phone. Yeah. He called me from your phone, and I answered it. And he's like, uh, I I knew that you were driving to either Salt Lake City, Utah, or yeah, that's where I was headed. But you were heading out west. And uh, I hadn't talked to you in a couple of days and I get this phone call on like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and I answer it, but it's not you. It's some guy. And he's like, is this, is this Dave's, is this Justin, Dave's son? Like, yeah. Who's this? And he's like, it's so-and-so I, I met your dad and uh, he left his phone here in my hotel room. And I, uh, yeah, I just, I don't want his phone. I was just wondering if you could maybe give me an address and I can mail it to you. And I was like, um, yeah, but like, can you kind of go back and explain how you, how you have his phone and why you're calling me again? Like, where, like, is he there? Is it like, what do you mean? He was driving across country. He's got to stay on a schedule. He's like, yeah, no, we met up and we were, we were hanging out, having some drinks at the bar. We were with, uh, what did he say? We were with some Mongols. He was the sons of silence. Yes, yes, that was what he said. He goes, we were hanging out with some of the sons of silence, uh, motorcycle gang. And, you know, we were all just having a good time at the hotel, but yeah, I don't, I just, I wanted to get this phone to somebody and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like sons of silence. So I'm like motorcycle gangs, cell phone. Okay. I'm a little nervous. Um, where are you? And he's like, I'm at some big horn or big something truck stop in Wyoming. I'm like, okay. So I I get off the phone and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where's my dad? Um, So I think I said something to Allison. I I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to call this place. So I'm like, is there a Dave Jones that has a room? They're like, no, there's nobody by that name that has a room. I'm like, okay, can you tell me, is there a truck out there? I describe your truck and they're like, no, I don't see anything out there. Nobody stayed here last night with that name. So I start, I call your phone back and the guy doesn't answer. And I try for like an hour, a couple of times, nobody answers. Well, then he calls me back and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to have him, uh, going to give you, <coughs> him, try to get, 
why don't you try to see if you'd give me that address again or something? I'm like, buddy, I, I can give you the address, but I'm like a little concerned about my dad. Like, was he okay? Yeah, I think he's okay. I, I don't know. I, I lost track of him, but I just, I want to, I don't get, know where he, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, but he just really was concerned about getting me this phone. So, you know, I consulted with a couple of people and we waited the rest of the day. I still didn't hear from you. I'm like, what the fuck? started yeah. to get like a little concerned. So I, I, I was like, I'm going to call his company. And I'm, and I didn't want to concern them to make them think you were like doing anything you shouldn't. But I'm like, um, I got a phone call and I just, I was concerned. I haven't heard from him. I just want to make sure he's okay. And they're like, we'll, we'll call and see if we can track his truck. And they hit me back and they're like, we're going to try to reach him, but his truck is moving and it's on destination. Like it's headed towards where it needs to be. So at that point, I'm like, well, I mean, if somebody was like fucking killed him and stole his truck or something, I don't think they'd be going and fulfilling his load. So he must be in right. the truck. And I try to pay phone in Wyoming in the middle of nowhere. I mean, the exits are like so far few in between and grandma, he had called grandma. He called everybody. So he called Jacob. Happened? Jacob said he called him two days in a row. This guy acted like he was part of the family. Hey yeah. man, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What? So like what had happened? I, met up with this guy at the little hotel bar and me and him that's the guy that told me he got attacked by a grizzly bear he walked with a cane his leg was all chewed that's up right he said he was in yellowstone national park and he got attacked by a grizzly bear which i mean to me like okay i don't know whether i believe this story or not but we ended up going down to the street to this other little local bar and yeah there was some of them sons of silence guys in there and we ended up like meeting this couple, this guy and his wife, they took us to a casino. And then on the way back at like two in the morning, you know, we're all shit faced, but I ended up leaving this guy. My phone actually looked like this guy's phone. When I got out of their van to get in my truck, I didn't have my phone. He took it with him. He was staying at the hotel, not me. I was in the truck stop next door. When I woke up the next day, I'm like, where? I couldn't find my phone. Well, I had to go. I had an appointment in Salt Lake City. So I had to go looking for a pay phone. They're, they're, they're just not. I start getting messages on my Qualcomm from my company. Hey, you might want to call your family. They're a little concerned, blah, blah, blah. So this then I, I ended up getting a hold of grandma. And I said, can you just please let the boys know I'm okay? Cost me like sixty dollars for eight minutes on a on a payphone that I found to charge this collect call to her, and this guy promised he's gonna like mail the phone. Never did. So I ended up like just stopping at a a, a phone place, and I ended up in Nebraska on the way back. It was around. It was December. It was right around Christmas time, and I bought a phone. And yeah, I don't know that that guy. He just. He was such a bullshitter and he just liked calling everybody in my contacts and having conversations with him. Yeah. I forgot that he, that you told me that he said that he had been attacked by a grizzly bear and he was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Too, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, his leg was like gone almost. <laughs> he said he got attacked by a grizzly bear in Yellowstone. No, but this guy had a, like a, he had a flask in the bar and he kept passing it to me saying, here, I'm like, dude, I don't know what that is. He's like, just try it. He had like this bourbon or something in there. And we started talking. He was actually there because his truck had broke down and he was waiting for someone to, to bring him another truck so that he could keep going. 
That's why he was staying in the hotel and ended up getting like drunk with this guy and going down the street to another bar and meeting more people and going out with them. And then at the end of the night, I got dumped off at, at my truck without my phone. He had it. So then he started going through all my contacts and calling people. It, it was just, it was just messed up. I got my company involved and everybody uptight and grandma and all my kids. And yeah. The thing that I draw from that the most is that you in the middle of Wyoming go to a casino <laughs> with the sons of silence and that that's like, Oh yeah. How, I mean, maybe this is Try a really to be ignorant a question. You, if you're around somebody, you kind of get a general feeling. I don't know. I've always, I guess maybe I've watched, good. I've probably watched too much television, but like, Oh yeah. Are they just like, like, I guess it's an ignorant question, but is it just like a normal guy? Like I, I remember I saw a guy in the Chicago airport and he had an outlaws vest on. There was 40 of them the other night at that Indian place. They all came rolling in 40. of them. I said, Oh my God, the outlaws are here. I can't wait till the shit show starts. I got my phone out. Nothing happened. Really? But yeah. Yeah. They were pretty sketchy looking. Yeah. I mean, you do, cause you do certainly see. So I know the one place, man, I, I can't have you on this podcast and this will be how we wrap this up. Um, <laughs> but I know there's a place that you frequent down in the South side. Jack's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a biker bar. And I know there's, I mean, there's been recent things over the last few years where I don't know if somebody was killed there or somebody got, yeah, stabbed. they got shot. They got shot. Yeah. But um, I mean, is it, is that just from life and just the characters that you've always hung out with that you just feel at home and comfortable? Cause I'm just, I'm yeah. pretty open to talk with absolutely anybody, yeah. but I would certainly have my guard up if I was a, at a random bar even here in, in Pittsburgh, but just like Wyoming, Chicago, or Buffalo at some cookout and a bunch of outlaws or hell's angels or Mongols yeah. come rolling in to just like, you, you don't change and skip a beat. You just like no. talk and pick up and keep talking. Well, Minneapolis, Kansas city, <laughs> whatever, uh, Atlanta. I don't, I don't like walk around down in Atlanta just because, but no, it's, it's, it is. I think a lot of it has to do with like, the, the way I grew up and I'm just so trusting and I've always been a people person. Yeah. And it just, nothing like rattles me. Just it's always, I get along with everybody. How about the night, Justin, that Allison wakes you up and you're like, you got to see your dad's Snapchat. And you're like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I'll look at it when I get up. She's like, no, you have to look at this. Yeah. I was in Minneapolis. Remember I was in that bar with all them guys. And they were like, they were from LA. They were like throwing gang signs with their gold teeth. And when they were playing Tupac and stuff, you remember that? Oh yeah. She's <laughs> like, you, she's like, you need to talk to your father. He's, <laughs> you were, you were like the, the it was like you. I and, was having a ball. Yeah. There was like 15 guys and you stood out very much as the, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think about that often. Louie's like, dad, I thought they were going to find you in a dumpster this morning. Yeah. Uh, I have fun. No, it's gotta be. And I, I wonder how much of it, like talking back to the bikers, how much of it is just the over sense, uh, the sensationalization that we do just to put something on television. You know, I, these people are caught up in a lot of stuff, but I'm, I'm sure it's just you're like right. anybody no, else right. that you'd come across at a bar that's lived life and had experiences and probably done some fucked up shit. But 
It's not like they're out looking to, to cause a problem with everybody. Exactly. They're not looking at you and they're like, all of a sudden they look at you and like, Oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And I'm going to, I'm going to beat you up. No, they're not. They're not like that at all. You know, but you know what out there on the road and you drive like six, 700 miles every day. And you might go like two weeks and it's like, dude, I just need to get out of this truck and go for a walk and go find like a little watering hole and just, I love being around people. I just want to be around like amongst the living. I get tired of talking to myself. I want to talk to somebody else. Oh yeah. No, it's you follow. <laughs> it's you, you know, Louie and I talk yeah. about this all the time. I worry about you knowing that you're out there. I care about you. I don't ever want to hear somebody took advantage of you, you know, because you're, you're such a, a kind hearted person that just wants to chat, but that is, it's who you are. And it would be a shame to take that away from you because I do think that there's a part of you weirdly that's fulfilled and satisfied with that. Yeah. Just to, to have random conversations with people that you, that you don't know that you can kind of sit there and learn about them and share some of your crazy shit. And, and I've just uh, always been that way. I will go up to a complete stranger and just like strike up a conversation where the, where the, a normal person wouldn't do that. You know, they're just, they keep to themselves or, they got their little like force field up and they don't, mm -hmm. they don't want to like bring any of that on, but not me. Well, I mean, Jesus, it probably doesn't hurt either mixing with these. I mean, you went and at, how old were you? You, you had, you were never a tattoo person. And I was shocked. You went to, you went to Mexico with mom on vacation as a kid. Came back with kid. one. It was her idea. Back with a tattoo of a parrot, like a dope ass, like very detailed, very pretty parrot but it was just mm -hmm. a parrot on your shoulder mm -hmm. and then for years that was it it kind of faded and at what age you were in your 50s right yeah yep i got it like i got it tuned up and brought it back to life made it pop again and got a little extra like greenage around it and then i don't even know how i ended up like down on uh, south side of pittsburgh with louis and lauren walking around i'm like oh i need i need to get i want a tattoo and then, oh my God, all it, all it took was like to walk into like 10th Street tattoo. Shout out to 10th Street, Greg. <laughs> and I went back two days in a row for two sessions and then had to go drive with my arm like just sore as hell. And then every chance I got back there, I would go down there and meet with this guy. We'd go across the street to Jack's, have shots, have beers, get me primed up. Where normally he says, I won't tattoo anybody who's drinking but you uh because you don't want to have like somebody bleeding or whatever but he became my friend and i didn't stop going to him till like, my arm from the from my knuckles all the way to my shoulder all the way around the whole way is just completely covered now i want to do it again no it's, it's yeah. it does it no justice i mean you and it's colorful like you got a whole you have a jungle theme i mean yeah, you kept absolutely. it you kept the theme of the bird. Um, yep. It's so pretty and so bold and so just in your face and so well done. And yep. on a guy your age, it's, it's really, you don't see people your age with tattoos that are that vibrant. Oh, and I'll be 58 in November. And it's still, he's like, whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. I put, I just like, I hydrate it and I keep it like out of the sun and yeah, it still looks good. And everybody's skin is arm? different. I want to. I want to get. I want to get back into it. Once I start, I know I won't quit. That's all I got to do is just do it once, and I'll. I won't quit. 
<laughs> no, it's always so cool. You've lived a crazy fucking life so far. Oh my god. Yeah. We're not done. No, <laughs> not at all. This was fun. I'm glad that yeah, we got this to work. I'm I mean, glad that you like had me on. I mean, I, I'm sorry that I had such like some technical difficulties and can't see it, but no, can listen. no, just tell grandma, I'll get her a coupon. She can get better internet. I don't, Jesus. I don't know. No, I think it's just, I think the weather, we're, I have storms here. I know you have storms there. As soon as you took yeah. the video off and we adjusted some stuff, the bandwidth has been good. The audio sounds great. We'll, awesome. we'll do one with video in some way, shape or form in the future, but yeah, this was good. it's I, raining here now. Matter of fact, I'm looking out there. It's raining. Yeah. It's, it's coming and here. The thunder it's thundering thunderstorms. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get all the boys together when we're home. We'll do one. We'll do one live. We'll mix it up. Let's do that because yeah, Joey will be here and Lou, oh, Jake won't be, but yeah. But we'll you can have, have us three. You can yeah. have us three on the other side of you. Yeah, I'll figure out a way to do it live. And I've got a big month this this month. I try to space it out. I was even, I was like, no, I just had Joey on. Do I want to do back-to-back with family members? I try to give everybody who listens to this something different and, you know, try to mix in. I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of really big guests that I'm lining up. I've got uh, Mike Dolce is going to come back on too. Um, that'll be nice. One. He's, he's got some cool shit that he's going to share. Um, uh, I've got one tomorrow I'm doing, I didn't want to do anything on father's day, but, um, his name's Isak Melland. Uh, he's the founder and CEO of a company called Viking Ninja. So if you've ever seen these, they're like steel maces. So it's like a steel rod with a ball on the end of it. And they're like workout routines with a steel mace. He's big in the MMA and tied to 10th planet, but he's like a conspiracy nut um, who wow. used to be a big Joe Biden and uh, Obama supporter and who kind of like had some things happen. He, he's, he's a really cool guy, but um, have him coming on. So I want to try to do a few others and then, um, yeah, I think it'd be perfect timing. We can get everybody together. Oh, you do a good job. You do a good job of mixing it up with your guests for sure. I try to. It's tough. It's hard sometimes, you know, to find people just work around schedules and availability. And even with Zoom, you know, I, I really want to get this to a place where I'm able to meet with people in person, but logistically, you know, I, I'm balancing. It'd be hard to have a lot of the guests that I have on, you know, and so I, I'd much yeah, rather. You can't fly from Texas and have them in your basement, you know. <laughs> right. Not yet. So, you know, yeah. so, someday, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it starts with, uh, you know, continuously having episodes like this. And quite honestly, this is, uh, I think when I think back on the, what we talked about and some of what you shared, I got a feeling people are going to enjoy this one a lot. So thank you. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. I love you. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. If you guys stayed. Yeah stayed along this episode this far. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, this is my dad. Love you, pops. <laughs>